Welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters and joining me today is Rachel Winter, Associate Investment Director at Killican Company. When putting together an investment portfolio, it's very important to diversify it, which means holding different types of assets. Historically, a popular asset for mitigating downside in times of difficulty, providing a different return profile to equities, and even protecting against inflation has been gold. But Rachel, is exposure to gold still a good way for investors to diversify their portfolios? Well, I think it depends on what type of investor you are. If you are, for example, an income investor, then I don't think gold is a good idea for you because gold doesn't pay any income whatsoever. If you are an investor who wants to protect against inflation, then possibly gold will be a good option for you. Gold is classed as a real asset and over the long term, in theory, it should protect against inflation. In recent years, we haven't seen much performance in in gold. Um, I'd say the stock market has far outperformed gold. And I think the performance of gold has actually been quite surprising in recent years. Normally, because it is seen as quite a cautious asset, you would expect it to move in the opposite direction to equities. So when people are feeling confident, they tend to buy equities and sell gold. When they're feeling nervous, they tend to sell equities and buy gold. So you'd hope that the prices would move in the opposite directions. But over the last couple of years, I think we've seen a bit more correlation between the two. So, for example, over the last month or so, both equities and gold have come up. And therefore, I'm not sure that you are getting quite the kind of diversification that you might be after. On that note, gold, certainly this morning, uh, was trading at over $1,500 an ounce. Is this a historically high level? And if so, should you totally avoid investing in it at the moment? Um, it certainly has had quite a good run, particularly mm. over the last year. And I believe within the last three years, it's been down at around 1100 So it has come up quite a lot within that time period. But if we go back to 2011, gold was over $1,800 an ounce. So it's not actually that close to its historic record high. So I'm sure there are some investors out there who believe it could go higher. And something we've seen over the last couple of years is a growing appetite from central banks to hold more gold as reserves. So I think that potentially could push the price higher over the coming years. I suppose despite perhaps like uh, some of the issues there, if you decide that um, having an allocation to some gold in your investment portfolio is appropriate for yourself and your investment purposes, what's a good way to get exposure to this asset? I think the most common way is something called an ETC or an exchange traded commodity. That's essentially acting in the same way as an ETF or an exchange traded fund, but it focuses purely on one particular commodity. I would have a strong preference for a physically backed ETC. And that essentially means that when you're buying into this, there is some physical hard gold in the background there. And that's what the price of the ETC is based on. You have got an option to buy something called a synthetic ETC. And if you're buying that, then what you're buying is essentially a combination of financial contracts that are essentially mimicking the price of gold. And to date, they have mimic the price of gold quite well. But what we don't know is how they would perform in a period of strong market volatility. I think this whole concept of synthetic ETFs is a fairly new one. And we haven't really seen how they would perform in a period of severe market difficulty. So I think I would have a preference for that physically backed ETF, because you know, there's a nice solid lump of gold in the background there for you. Even um, it's right, physical sounds like a better option, but are there any risks um, with the physical ETC that you should also be aware of? 
I think something to bear in mind is you might potentially have a slightly higher cost over time because you have got some physical gold there to store. So I think that's the main thing to bear in mind. The other risk, I think, is simply what happens to the price of gold. And that's a risk that you would also have with the synthetic ETC as well. So I think just price volatility is is definitely something to be concerned about. I think historically people have viewed gold as a very cautious asset, but over the last five years it has been quite volatile. Um, so earlier we talked about the price history. Between 2011 and say 2016, the price did come down from $1,800 to $1,100 per ounce. And that really is quite a severe fall. And if you are quite a cautious investor, I think that fall would have been very difficult to handle. So I don't think gold is quite as cautious as some investors would make it out to be. Are there any particular gold ETCs that um, you know you think are, are worth uh, using if you're going to get exposure? Yeah, a huge range here, um, lots of different ETCs. Um, so I would look at the ones that are physically backed and then I would look at the ones that do offer the best total expense ratio. One that we quite like is the Wisdom Tree ETC. That's got a fairly low annual charge of about 0.19%. Okay. Now, we've been talking about ETCs, but there are other ways to get exposure. And uh, if you invest, no doubt you'll have seen there are lots of what appear to be gold funds. Now, in fact, these are actually equity funds, but that invest in the equities of mining companies that specialise in gold. So what would be the reasons to consider adding one of these mining security funds to your portfolio? Well, in theory, if you think the price of gold is going up, investing in a company or a share that actually produces gold should give you a more amplified return. So if the price of gold is going up, any company that's producing gold is going to be selling that gold for a higher price and making more profit. So if you're investing in the shares of that company, you should get a much higher return in theory. Something else is that often gold mining companies will pay a dividend. So if you are an investor who wants a dividend, then that could potentially be an option for you. But on the other hand, I would say that gold mining companies don't always perform as you would expect. And an example here is Fresnillo. It's a gold mining company listed on the London Stock Exchange. While the price of gold itself has gone up quite heavily over the last few months, the price of Fresnillo shares has come down quite heavily. The reason for that, well, there are a number of reasons. They've had some difficulties with a mine in Mexico. They've seen quite an increase in the costs of getting the gold out of the ground. And I think also there is a huge trend towards um, not investing in companies that are damaging the environment. And I think a number of investors might view a gold mining company as a company that would be damaging towards the environment. Bearing this in mind, um, how good are mining securities funds as diversifiers, let's say, to a standard equity portfolio? And what are their risks? Other than what you mentioned, I think they are a different asset class. They do offer a different revenue stream. I think because they are invested in equities, I think they would offer you less diversification than investing in gold itself. So I would say that a gold mining fund invested in gold mining companies would be more likely to correlate with the equity market than a gold ETC. So if you truly did want diversification and a lessening of risk, I would say that a gold ETC would be a better option. If you're someone that has a high appetite for risk and really believes that gold is going up and you want to make a higher level of profit and you can accept the risk, then perhaps a gold mining fund 
would be a good option for you. Okay, now we've talked about ETCs and we've talked about funds that invest in the shares of gold mining company. But if you, you know, if you are a private investor, uh, some ordinary individual, are there any other ways um, in which you can get exposure to gold? There are a number um, and there are some ways that are actually outside of the stock exchange. For example, you can simply buy things like gold coins and those those can be looked after and they clearly are made of pure gold so they would mimic the price of gold. A concern there is the security so they could be lost or stolen. You have also got the option to buy gold directly via the Royal Mint. So if you have got a pension, particularly a SIP, you have got the option to invest in gold with the Royal Mint and they will take care of storing that and looking after that for you. But then you have got the added cost of the ongoing storage of that commodity. Another diversifying asset that's been favoured by investors is UK commercial property. But there's still a lot of uncertainty surrounding UK assets due to a lack of clarity over the nature of our country's departure from the European Union. So, Rachel, do you think it's worth having any exposure to UK commercial property at the moment? I do, in part. Um, I would highlight there's been a huge divergence in the fortunes of different types of commercial property. So I don't think anyone will be surprised to hear me say that UK retail property has been a very, very poor performer over the last few years. And that's still an area with some concern. We've seen only this week that Beals, the department store, is the latest of of many retail outlets to go into administration. So I think that's a huge concern for investors in retail property. I would have a look at commercial property involved in logistics warehouses. I think that's one area of the UK market that has still got a huge amount of opportunity for growth. I think we saw today that the results from ASOS, the online shopping business, were incredibly strong. And that just highlights the demand for online shopping. Therefore, we know there is going to be future demand for these logistics warehouses. So that's one area of the UK commercial property market I would be happy to consider. Another one that seems to be quite strong at the moment is actually office space, particularly around London. We've seen this week that Facebook has announced it's going to be employing a thousand more people in the UK. And in fact, we have seen another um, large number of companies doing the same thing. So there does seem to be an ongoing demand for London-based office space and commercial property funds offering that do seem to be doing very well. If you invest in commercial property, um, again, as was a bit like with the debate about the gold funds, Um, Would it be better to have a fund that actually buys the buildings, a physical property fund, or a fund that buys shares in companies involved with commercial property, uh, a property securities fund? Again, I think it depends what type of investor you are. If you are going to invest in a fund that actually buys the finished properties, that's probably going to be better um, for income over the longer term. And arguably, you would say it was slightly less risky because you have got some physical assets there. You have got some underlying properties actually propping up the value of that fund. So if you are someone who wants an income and you don't want to take a huge amount of risk, I would invest in a commercial property fund or a real estate investment trust. If you are going to invest in the types of companies that are actually building these commercial properties. Yes, you could make a lot more profit in times of economic growth when a lot of building is happening. But I would say those types of investments are much more cyclical. They are going to be much more volatile according to how the economy is performing. And therefore, I would say those investments are more risky. And you could say that at the current period of time, we are perhaps moving towards the end of an economic cycle. So I would wonder whether or not now is the right time to be investing in those types of assets. Okay, and would it be fair to add that actually property securities um, aren't really such a good diversifier away from equities or because ultimately they are equities? 
Technically, um, I think most investors, when analysing their portfolios, would generally put real estate investment trusts into the non-equity category. And I believe that is because they are a physically asset-backed um, and they have got that good income there as well. So generally, I would say that commercial property funds have offered a lower degree of volatility um, compared to equities. And that's the reason why a number of investors do like to include them in their portfolios. Okay. Now, another big question with property uh, is what type of fund you use to access it. Property, physical property, you know, is a fairly liquid asset, uh, especially commercial property, so big skyscrapers and warehouses, and you can't sell it in five minutes. So is it better to access it with a closed-end fund, such as an investment trust or a real estate investment trust, or an open-ended fund? I would say a closed-ended structure like a real estate investment trust. I just don't think an open-ended structure is suitable at all for an asset like commercial property. It's very difficult for the fund managers Mm. to actually sell the property quickly. And what's more, they can't just sell a little bit of a property when an investor in the underlying fund wants to have their money back. An entire property has to be sold. For this reason, the fund manager is always forced to have a large cash balance available in case anyone wants their money back and you're not really getting any kind of return on that large cash balance. So I would say that a closed-ended structure such as a real estate investment trust is much more appropriate for this type of investing. And we've seen in recent months, the M&G property funds, that's one of the largest Mm. open-ended commercial property funds in the UK because they saw such a large level of withdrawals um, leading up into the general election. They actually had to gate that fund and prevent investors from taking their money out. And that's something that wouldn't have happened with a closed-ended structure. Okay. That said, uh, I suppose um, investment trusts, real estate investment trusts are far from risk free. So, um, what, you know, what should people be aware of uh, before putting a penny into uh, one of these listed property funds? The risk is that if lots of people want to sell, they will sell the shares in the investment trust on the open market. And what you could have would be the fund falling to a discount. So, while you can always get your money back, there is absolutely no guarantee that you'll be able to get the price that you want. Mm. So if you are going through a period when lots of people are trying to sell out of these things, then if you do want to sell, you might be selling at quite a poor price. So you have certainly got the possibility there of ongoing volatility. Okay. Um, And are there any particular commercial property funds that um, you'd highlight? Yes. um, Our preference is one called London Metric. Um, so it's a, a UK-based real estate investment trust. They do invest across quite a range of different properties, but the largest part of their exposure is to those logistics warehouses that we talked about earlier. So we think that's a part of the market that does have a huge opportunity for growth. The management team of London Metric do appear to be very strong indeed. The track record of the trust has been very strong. And also you've got a nice dividend there of over 3%. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Some really helpful suggestions. Now. Investment analysts have expressed concerns in recent months about the size of LF Linsell Train UK Equity Fund. And it's led analysts in particular at Interactive Investor, an investment platform, to conduct a review of the fund. Though now that they've done it, they're actually more confident on LF Linsell Train UK Equity. But Rachel, more generally... Um, how important do you think a fund size and its ability to trade its holdings are? It's incredibly important. And this is a big issue that has come to light because of this whole fiasco we've we've had with the Neil Woodford funds. Mm. So I think 
Everyone here will know by now that Woodford took very, very large stakes in private companies and companies without much liquidity. And when investors wanted to sell out of his fund and get their money back, he wasn't able to sell the underlying holdings. And I think because that has caused such a huge problem, people are now going around looking at other funds, and rightly so, in order to see exactly how liquid those funds are. For me, it shouldn't necessarily be an issue if a fund becomes particularly large. What's really important is what kind of stake is that fund taking in the underlying companies? If it is taking a very large stake, then you could well find that that it would be difficult for the fund to sell out of all of the shares of that company if investors did want their money back. So really, we want to be investing in funds that are taking a fairly small stake in the underlying companies. Okay. And um, would the size and liquidity profile of a fund deter you from, say, investing clients in it? It would do. So if we believed Mm. that the underlying holdings within a fund were not liquid, that would certainly put us off investing. But that doesn't always relate to the size of the fund. So if we look at a fund like Fundsmith, for example, that's been incredibly successful and it now is an absolutely huge fund. However, the companies within the fund are also absolutely huge there are companies in there that have market capital capitalizations of many hundreds of billions. Therefore, even though Fondsmith is a very huge fund, it doesn't own a significant stake in the underlying companies. And therefore, we're not concerned that the investments couldn't be sold if investors did want their money back. If you're an investor and you, you've been holding a fund for a while and it's okay fund and you're happy with it, but then see it's grown considerably in size, what should you do? Have a look at what size it's grown to. Have a look at the underlying companies within the fund and see how large those companies are. And I think I would be concerned if I saw that a fund owned more than 3% of any one of the underlying companies. I think that's quite an important level there. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Some really helpful points. That brings us to the end of today's show. But see this week's big theme in Investors Chronicle or the website at investorschronicle.co.uk for our full report on how to access gold and commercial property and more on Ella Flintzel Train UK equity and liquidity risks. Thank you for listening and have a good weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.